welcome to Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I'm your host, author Liz Tolsma. I'm so glad that you decided to join me for today's episode. I know you won't be disappointed with our guest, Rachel Scott McDaniel, who is here to talk about her two new books. Yeah, she has two brand new books out. One is Undercurrent of Secrets. We're going to be talking mostly about that one, but she's also going to tell us a little bit about The Mobster's Daughter. Both of them sound absolutely fabulous, and we will have a link to those books in the show notes on my website, which is liztolsman.com. So that's all the time I'm going to take up with introductions, except to tell you to subscribe to Christian Historical Fiction Talk if you haven't done so already. Make sure that you find it on your favorite podcasting platform, because we have lots of great guests coming up that you don't want to miss out on, and some great topics as well coming up all in the new year. New year, new batch of guests, new topics, so much to look forward to in 2022. Okay, let me tell you a little bit about Rachel, and we'll have her jump on here then. Rachel is an award-winning Christian romance writer. She hopes to inspire the mind and refresh the soul with words infused with faith and heart. Because she can never resist a good mystery, suspense and intrigue routinely sneak their way into her stories. She currently enjoys life with her husband and two children. She would also like to send out a thank you to you, the listeners and readers, and those of you who love good stories. Without you, she wouldn't be able to do what she does. She appreciates each and every email, DM, and note of encouragement. Your sweet support has truly meant a lot to her. So please join me in welcoming Rachel Scott McDaniel to the show. Welcome to the show, Rachel. It's so good to have you along with us today. Oh, thank you. I'm really honored to be here. So for those of you who are not familiar with you, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Certainly. My name is Rachel Scott McDaniel, and I primarily write historical romance that is set in the Roaring Twenties. I just recently released a book with Barbara Publishing that is actually a dual timeline called Undercurrent of Secrets, and it is a contemporary timeline as well as a historical that is set in the 20s. So I didn't really deviate too much from my writing in the 1920s. So that's where I'm primarily set. So what drew you or draws you to the 1920s? What intrigues you about that era? Actually, I started writing it, I kind of stumbled into it. In fact, I started writing in the 1940s, and I, my first story that I written, The Red Canary, was actually set in right after World War II, and it was so hard to sell it because a lot of the publishers were saying the time, there was such an influx of World War II stories that it was hard for me to get past Pubboard. So that was the reason a lot of the publishers rejected the story was because of the time period. So I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I could set it in a different time era. And it actually worked out better because in the one story that I'm referring to the Red Canary, instead of making a nightclub, I made it a speakeasy. And instead of my heroine being a nightclub singer, she was a speakeasy singer. And it was during the prohibition. And I just fell in love with the era during the research. I realized that 
it's what's really funny is I grew up 20 minutes outside of Pittsburgh and I had no idea that Pittsburgh was known as the wettest city in a dry nation. And I had no idea that even <laughs> the word speakeasy got its origin from Pittsburgh. A saloon owner was telling her patrons to speak easy because the law was outside. And so that name kind of caught fire and, but the origins were all in Pittsburgh. And so I didn't realize all the depths that this era had with not only the prohibition, but the women's suffrage. And also later in the decade, we have the Great Depression. So there's so many layers to this era, so many culture shifts during this time period that I just fell in love with it and I ran with it. I just released another story called The Mobster's Daughter that takes place in the 20s in Pittsburgh as well. Wow, that's a lot of fun. And when you started talking, I detected some kind of an Eastern accent. So I was wow. right, Pittsburgh. <laughs> that is impressive. I, had, I, I lived actually in Oklahoma for a bit and people always knew I was from the North. And I, I, it's so funny. I didn't even realize I had an accent. That's hilarious. Oh yeah. I have cousins from Pennsylvania and I went to school near Pittsburgh for a year. And so my ear is attuned to it and you sound so Pennsylvania. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> I was born. Yep. I was born in Pennsylvania. At least I didn't say yins. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would have been a dead giveaway. It would have been. <laughs> so the book that you just released as part of Barber's Doors to the Past series is Undercurrent of Secrets. Can you tell us a little bit about that book? Certainly. So for this series, Doors to the Past, the thing that kind of connects all the books is that they're all set at a historical landmark. And so this historical landmark that I chose was the Belle of Louisville, which is a steamboat. It's a hundred-year-old steamboat. It, it still goes today. It's set in, right now it's wharf in Louisville. But a hundred years ago, it was known as the Idlewild. And so I, I just had so much fun setting an entire story along the Ohio River. And the research was so fun. Due to COVID and other things, I wasn't able to visit the Bell. So I had to rely 100% on research. And I was able to score some amazing books that were written by the captain of the Bell, who also was the chief engineer in the reconstruction whenever Louisville bought it. So I got to have so many in-depth details about that story, that about the bell that I was able to weave into the story. But yes, it takes place, it starts out in Louisville and it takes place on a steamboat. Wow, that sounds like a lot of fun and what a cool setting, the steamboat. How did you find out about this boat? How did you know about it. This is actually a fun story because it was actually my husband that found it. When my agent told me that Barbara was accepting proposals for this current series and that it had to base it on an historical landmark, I went to Google and was researching different things. And I asked my husband to look up some things. And all I could find was like McKinley monuments and <laughs> other things that probably wasn't, wouldn't be the best for an entire novel. And he texted me. He was at work and texted me. He's like, I found this. And it was the bell. And I immediately just fell in love with the idea of a moving landmark and about just the whole romance of the river and 
being able to course the waters in a boat and set a story on the boat. My main objective of the story was to portray the bell as a character itself. I wanted to be able to give the reader just almost like the experience of them actually being on the boat. So I, I tried my hardest and, <laughs> and that's what, that's how it came about with picking the bell. Oh, how cool. Sounds so much fun. And you're right. A steamboat is full of romance. I think romance immediately when I think of steamboat. So that was a really cool setting that you could have picked a really different kind of monument. I just really in- enjoyed even learning about it. I had when I got the contract for the story, I had no idea even how steamboats worked. And so I had no idea that even they had their own language, like a riverman language. And so I had to learn the ins and the outs of not only uh, the workings of the steamboat, but the ways of the rivermen, like how they speak and how they talk. And so it was almost like submerging myself into a different kind of culture in a different era. And it, it was a lot of fun. This is your first time slip, correct? Correct. I was petrified of, <laughs> of attempting a time slip, but it, I think it worked out all right. <laughs> Most certainly it did. (laughs) What was the most challenging part about writing a time slip? I think being able to flesh out everything, having a certain cap, like a word limit and having to be able to go back and forth. I wanted to make sure that both stories were stories in a way that they had depth to them, that Each of my four main characters had depth to them and being able to just tie it all together and make sense, (laughs) not just a um, a whole bunch of different like pieces to a puzzle just scattered, but actually putting the puzzle together and forming a picture of a story. And I think that was the hardest part. Since you've written about a steamboat, I know there are boats that you can take up and down like the Mississippi and the Ohio River. Do you plan on taking a trip on a steamboat anytime soon? I would love to. There are several. There's the Majestic that does go up and down the Ohio. There's also, we have local ones in Pittsburgh. We have the Gateway Clipper. And there is still the Delta Queen that is in Cincinnati. So I would love if when travel opens up for me and (laughs) I have a daughter that special needs and I'm the primary caregiver for her. So if she cooperates, then (laughs) maybe we can, I I think she would actually enjoy being on the river because there's some shows that she just loves and that are on the river that is steamboat. So she can pretend she's one of her little characters in her movies. And I think that actually might work out. (laughs) It sounds like so much fun. I bet she would love it. You like both humor and mystery. How do you go about combining blending humor and mystery together? That is a really good question. And that is also a really hard thing to do (laughs) because you have to (laughs) make sure that when you have the heavy moments that you don't puncture it by an ill-timed dialogue that's humorous. (laughs) But I grew up with lighter mysteries. Like I love classic murder mysteries that aren't really all that heavy. Like there's the Thin Man series that was from the 1940s and it's actually a fun, it's terrible to say, but like a fun murder, a fun murder mystery. And so (laughs) I love the appeal of having something be a little bit on the lighter side 
but still have a mystery for the readers. So the story has banter when it can and heavy and deeper scenes when appropriate. This book is also full of plot twists. Are you one of those who sits and plots out everything that's going on and what's going to happen? Or do these plot twists take you by surprise as much as they take the reader by surprise? Uh, With this story, I had a couple plot twists planned. There were some parts I'm like, oh, I can do this and turn it on its head a bit. I'm kind of in the middle. Like I have a loose outline. And it's just how to get to those points on the outline that I have to work with that is more on the seat of your pants kind of thing. But I think it just depends on which story I'm writing. It seems like every story I write is different. But with this story, I was so afraid (laughs) of messing up. And this (laughs) this is the first story I ever had where it wasn't written before the contract. And so... I was a little nervous because not only was this the first story I have under contract and a deadline, I've never written a time slip before. I've never written a contemporary timeline before. It was during a world plague. (laughs) It's just like everything was (laughs) against me. I'm like, of course it is. And so I tried to plot as much as I can, but there were some, because I didn't, I I didn't want to veer off too far and then not be able to reel it back in where it needed to be. So I plotted this one probably the most out of any of my stories, but there was some parts that surprised me. That has to be absolutely terrifying. I remember getting a contract before I had written it. Right now I'm writing my first time slip as well, but I can't imagine doing it both all at the same time. That would have just freaked me out. You were a brave lady. I have to say that. God's grace and lots of chocolate. I had my own stash. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I hear you about that one, too. (laughs) Not only that, but this is written in first person. Why did you decide to go with first person? Just another challenge? You weren't challenged enough? (laughs) I forgot about that part, too. Yeah, this is the first time I've ever written anything in first person. (laughs) It's just like, I don't know why I do that to myself. But honestly, I liked the idea of my historical being in first and my contemporary being in third to help differentiate between the two heroines for the reader. I really liked that idea. And so when I actually got the contract, I talked to my good friend Pepper Basham and she told me she was doing her story that way. And I was like, hmm, that could work. And so I kind of ran with it and it actually or like a fourth of the way into it. I'm like, I kind of like this. So I continued that on and kept it that way. The cover for this book is absolutely gorgeous. Did you have much say in its construction? I did. Again, my friend Pepper gets the credit for this because when I told her that it's taken place on a steamboat, she went on Trevelyan or Trevelyan, whatever it's called, and sent me a whole bunch of pictures and just to help me visualize. And she sent me that one. And when Barbara sent me the cover sheet that I was to fill out, that was the only picture I put on there. <laughs> I couldn't see anything else. So I'm like, um, this is all I have. And they used it and took it. So it worked. 
And it works beautifully. That cover is just drop dead gorgeous. I love it. So kudos to Pepper and to you as well for that lovely cover. Thank you. Works great. You sort of touched on this a little bit, and maybe this is not a very fair question, but I read on your bio that you have a fanatical penchant for all things classic movies. So what do you like about those classic movies and what's your favorite one? Oh, that's a loaded question. I <laughs> do love classic movies. I love vintage movies. When my husband and I were first married, we honestly didn't have that much money to go out and do stuff. <laughs> so we would find these old, obscure movies and we would watch them as our date night. And I just fell in love with the old time banter, the the culture, the fashion, definitely just like the even the golden age of Hollywood with like Grace Kelly and Audrey Hepburn. And I even loved the things with the song and dance. I mean, it seemed like they could do everything back then. They can sing, they can dance, they can, you know, they looked good while they were doing it and they can act. So I just, I really fell in love with it. And in fact, when I was writing the contemporary heroine Devon, I incorporated my love of classic films. I gave it to her. <laughs> and so there's a lot of classic movie references in the contemporary timeline. One of my favorite actresses is Audrey Hepburn. And so she meant, I think I have like six, six or seven Audrey Hepburn references in just in the contemporary timeline. And I think I have a couple Cary Grants. One of my favorite movies is Charade with Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn. There's a mystery. That is the that is one of the perfect examples of having the the banter and the lightness with a murder mystery. That one is probably it was just so cleverly written. And the plot it was like plot twist after plot twist after plot twist with that with that movie. And then another movie that I love just for the dialogue is His Girl Friday with Cary Grant. And the banter between the two main characters is just off the charts. In fact, I think James Scott Bell even used portions of that movie in his book that talks about dialogue. So I'm not the only one <laughs> who thinks it's phenomenal. No, you're not. And definitely you've given me two to look up. I'm not into classic movies, but everybody who comes on here seems to be. So I think I'm going to have to watch some of these. Take the plunge. <laughs> now you just had another book release it was moved up quite a bit oh yeah <laughs> the mobster's daughter you mentioned before why don't yep. you tell us a little bit about that one this one is actually a little bit deeper than my other ones while i was researching one of my other 20 stories i realized that kdk radio based out of pittsburgh was the very first radio station in the entire world in fact today the day that we're recording this november 2nd is the 101st anniversary of radio they broadcasted the election results between Warren Harding and James Cox. And that was also a pivotal presidential election because that was the first presidential election where women actually gained the right to vote. So it was historic all the way around. But I love the idea of radio. And what started all was I saw a picture of a KDKA broadcaster and the caption said, unknown female vocalist. And I, I looked at it, I was like, how sad this woman is a part of history. And they didn't even record her name. And then my mind started posing all these questions like, 
well, what if she didn't want to be, her name's recorded? What if she didn't want to be remembered? What if she was hiding something in her past? And just my mind just kept going. It's like, what if she was a mobster's daughter? I'm like, ah! <laughs> and so uh, that was the premise <laughs> for that. Story. My mind just wouldn't, wouldn't stop. And I'm like, I love the idea of her hiding in plain sight. She took on a, she took on a different identity, but her voice was all over the place because she was a broadcaster through K to KA. So I love the idea of her hiding in plain sight and the hero is pitted against her, but he doesn't realize he is. He's the son of one of her father's victims. So that was fun to have a little bit of forbidden romance, a little bit of hidden identity trope in that story as well. And it was just fun to write. That does sound like a lot of fun to read. And I did not realize that Pittsburgh had the very first radio station. That's just really cool. And I also love how your writer's mind works because that's <laughs> just <laughs> how our minds are wired, aren't they? It just takes one picture and you have a story. <laughs> it does. It does. It, it, sometimes I love it. And sometimes I'm like, oh, shh, be quiet, mine. I'm trying to do something else. <laughs> so it just seems to keep going. <laughs> that's true. It can be a curse for sure. <laughs> if the listeners would like to connect with you. Where can they find you? Oh, okay. I am on all the social media platforms, Rachel Scott McDaniel, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I have a website, rachelscottmcdaniel.com. And I also have a newsletter where you can sign up on my website and there's links on my social media sites as well. Yes. And I would encourage everybody to go check out Rachel's website. We will have a link for it in the show notes. Fun to see all of her books there and to learn a little bit more about her. Do you have any last words for the listeners? Only that as a, I was just thinking about this today, because actually today, November 2nd is when I released Mobster Daughter. I was thinking about how we as writers, we pour ourselves into the story and about how it's somewhat scary to share a piece of your heart through story. But I was just thinking about how, even when we write, we're re- while we're editing, we're refining the story, but really at the end, the story refines us because we grow so much through the story. We grow so much through the writing process. And it just be just even for readers to experience whenever they read the story and they come out just a little bit more refreshed, a little bit more strengthened and, and encouraged, especially since we write Christian fiction, the strengthening of the heart. So that's all. It's just showing a little bit of behind the curtain on the writer side. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. It has been a real pleasure having you with us today. And we appreciate you taking the time to come talk to us. Oh, I had so much fun chatting. I don't really get to chat about my author side and with my family. So it's it's fun just to uncork it and let it go. (laughs) Well, that was so much fun getting to chat with Rachel. She was a great guest, as all of our guests are. And we could have gone on for a long, long time. But unfortunately, I want to keep this relatively short so you all don't get bored but when you get two writers talking about things especially writers that have things in common like Rachel and I do we just can be off to the races but unfortunately we're out of time next week we are going to have another fabulous guest on I mean I keep saying that all the time but these guests just keep coming there are so many good Christian historical authors out there right now I don't have room for them all, honestly. And the one who we're going to have next week is one that you all requested. 
a while back, I went on to social media and I asked you all who you would like to see come on the show. I don't want this to just be Liz's favorite authors because that's not what this podcast is about, but it's about you all and who you would like to find out more about and who you would like to hear me chat with. So this is one of them. I honestly have been efforting to get some of them on. Some of them have declined. Some are still working on. So I didn't forget about it. And I'll probably shoot that question out there again so that you can get more input into the show. But this year's last guest is going to be Stephania McGee. Stephania is the best-selling author of Christian novels. She writes stories of faith, hope, and healing set in the Deep South. So we're moving from the Pittsburgh area down to the Deep South, and we're moving from the 20s to Civil War period. When she's not twirling around in hoop skirts, I just love that. I could see that. Something I would love to do. Or when she's not reading or sipping sweet tea on the front porch, she's a homeschool mom of two boys, a writer, a dreamer, and a husband spoiler. So you're going to want to be sure to join us next week when we talk to Stephania McGee. I want to thank you once again for listening to Christian Historical Fiction Talk and for spreading the word. If you know somebody who loves Christian historical fiction as much as you do and who would like to hear some of these authors that we have on here or might be interested in some of the topics that we're talking about, then please spread the word. Let them know about it. We'd love to have them along. I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you once more. We'll see you back here next week.